January series called Moving from Dreams to Reality. And uh, basically, a lot of times at the beginning of the year, um, many people make resolutions or some things that they say, this area of my life, I want it to be better. This area of my life, I want it, I want to improve on. And, and quite honestly, I think we all should ask ourselves that because I don't think any of us are batting a thousand. You know, I think there's always some areas of our life that we can do better in. So we're looking at that. And studies suggest that only 8% of people who plan to make change in their life, who want to make change in their life, actually fulfill them. Only 8%, so 92% of the people that have things they want to do this year um, are probably, statistically, are not going uh, to make that. So this whole series is, how can we make sure that we hit our targets this year? You know, there's no reason why everyone here this morning can't hit the target that God has for you this year. There's no reason why you can't be a better father, why you can't be a better mother, why you can't be a better husband or father, why you can't be a better friend. There's no reason you can't improve your relationship with the Lord. There's, there's, there's no reason why that can't happen. And let me, we have a definition here of a resolution. A resolution just simply means it's a firm decision to do or not to do something. An action of solving a problem, a dispute, or a contentious matter. And if you break the word down, resolution, the, the prefix re means again and again. And so it means I, I set a goal, I tried, I failed, I'm going to try again, I'm going to try again. And resolution means I'm going to try and I'm going to be determined and I'm going to exert all of my faith and everything I have into it until it gets done. There's nothing wrong uh, with failing along the way. Many people fell along the way. The problem is we just can't quit. And so we said basically there, there's four ingredients that we have to have if we're going to turn our dreams, our goals, our resolutions into a reality and get in that top 8%. And the first thing is we have to have a vision. Everyone, no matter what your resolution is, you have to have these four things. You have to have a vision. A vision is simply I know what I, where I want to be and I know what I want to accomplish. Number two you have to have a plan. And a lot of times we have a vision of where we want to be, but the plan we have to get there is, is flawed. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times we, we, we set our plan too aggressively. For example, I want to start exercising. I haven't been exercising. Uh, you know, so I'm going to exercise seven days this week. Well, probably after day one, you're going to be really, really sore, you know. Start off with two or three days a week. And, uh, and, and work your work. And then, of course, you have to be disciplined. And we said last week that there's two things that qualify for discipline. And that's when we're able to delay gratification. We're able to delay gratification. In other words, uh, we're, able, we're able to um, put off things that, that we're able to put off some things because other things are more important. Delay gratification and advanced decision-making. When, when we make decisions in advance. So very, very important. And so this morning we're going to talk about how to increase your life stamina. And one thing I notice is even if you're on track and you're doing well, life has a way of just beating us down a little bit. Do any of you ever get to Wednesday or Thursday and like, man, it's not Friday yet? 
I mean, things come up, things happen. It's just very, very difficult. And so we have to learn to, to master life stamina, and we have to really be able, sometimes we get to a wall and we have to push through or crash through a barrier. A lot of times when we get to a wall, a difficult place, we just quit. We've got to learn to crash through that barrier. That's the only way we can get to the other side. So let me define stamina for you. Stamina just simply means it's the ability to sustain prolonged effort. The ability to sustain prolonged or extended effort, physically, mentally, spiritually. And uh, there's some synonyms of stamina uh, would be endurance, staying power, tirelessness, fortitude, strength, energy, toughness, tenacity, determination, perseverance, and or you could say grit, you know, uh, just to name a few. But think about this, looking over your past life, the past year. What are some things that you wish you wouldn't have quit? Look back on your life. What are some things you wish you wouldn't have quit? Well, I, I wish I would have finished high school. I wish I wouldn't have quit. I wish that I would have finished college. I wish I wouldn't have quit. I wish I'd have gone on and done that, that, um, that graduate finish that graduate de degree, or maybe, maybe you say, I wish I'd have kept taking voice lessons, or dance lessons, or guitar lessons, or, uh, you know, some type of, some type of a lesson. Uh, you know, maybe you say, man, I left a job that was a really good job and had great potential for growth, and I went to this other job because it paid a little bit more, but if I'd have stayed where I was at, I'd be in better position today. So all of us have things when we look back on our life that, man, if I could go back, I wouldn't have quit. I would have persevered. I would have pushed through. And so there's nothing that we can do about what we've done in the past. But we can make sure today, we can make a commitment today. These are some things I have a vision for. These are some things that God wants me to do in my life. These are some things that I don't even need to pray about. I know they need to be done in my life, and I'm determined to do them. I'm determined not to quit. I'm determined to fulfill this. Have you ever, you know, Christians, Christians, we use some lingo to get us out of trouble. Well, I'm praying about that. You know, there's a lot of things that we actually don't need to pray about because they're right there in the Bible. God tells us to do them. We don't need to pray about it. We don't need to make excuses. We just need to obey God, right? I'm not against prayer. I'm just saying I'm trying to, trying to be honest here. So most of us try not to think about our failures any more than we have to. And, and the Bible tells us don't dwell on the past, move forward. But I think sometimes it is important to say, hey, I've, I quit some things, I failed some things. What can I do today to give me stamina not to quit in the future? What are some things, you know, I can't change the past, but I can do better today. And I can do better tomorrow. And I can make some better uh, better, better decisions. I, I've, some of you may have heard this, this story. I've told it before. Um, but when I was in college, you know, Trace and I were like many college students. Well, we, we were married and we're just, I mean, barely making it, food money and all this rent money. And so one day I stopped to get gas in my car and I never filled it up because I never had enough money to fill it up. But I was going to put $10 in. And a guy, a homeless man, walked up to me, and uh, he said, uh, you know, um, would you buy me something to eat? I haven't eaten in two days. And I said, okay. I said, well, look, look, look right there. 
uh, it says two hot dogs for 99 cents or whatever. And I said, I haven't eaten all day either, so how about I buy two and we each have one, you know? And so I did that and went there, bought him a hot dog, bought him something to drink. And so I figured, well, you know, since, since I, you know, spent whatever, half of 99 cents on him, I, he deserved, I should talk to him, you know? And I was talking to him and I found out that he was an engineer and he had gone, you know, he was very successful in life and he had gone through a divorce and the divorce just devastated him. And he just, he quit his job and he's living under a bridge. And, and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, well, oh, first of all, he should be buying me a hot dog. He's got a degree, you know. Um, and I'm thinking, well, gosh, what about your daughters? He had two daughters. Do you see your daughters anymore? No, I haven't seen them in a long time. You're not supporting them. You're not reaching out to them. And, I, and I, it, it, that really struck my heart and touched me that this man had everything he needed to be successful. But something in life broke him. A situation in life just emotionally devastated him, and he just gave up on life. He just quit on life, and, and uh, he didn't have the stamina to push through. And, you know, again, I think most everyone in here has been through difficult situations like that, but we, ha we have to make a choice. Man, if I give up, God can't use me. I'm not going to be a blessing to anyone else. It's going to be a burden, and I'm going to have a lot of regret. So I, you know, what the, what I thought about this story, and I, I thought about, you know, that there's basically two types of people in life. There are, there are people, there are those who, who quit when life gets tough, and, and they, spend, may, they may spend the rest of their lives blaming other people for their lack of progress in life. And then there are those who have developed the ability to crash through quitting points emotionally, spiritually, vocationally, and relationally. And, you know, every time you come to a roadblock, this year when you have some goals, you have a vision, you have a plan, every time you come to a roadblock in life, when life smacks you, when it hits you, there, there's a choice that all of us have to make. Am I going to quit or am I going to push through? And, of course, I believe that we can't push through on our own. We need God's help in our life, you know. We need his strength. We need the Holy Spirit going with us to help us and guide us. But uh, that's just something that, that happens we have to face. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul this week. And, you know, of course, he was, he was really a pretty evil man. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. And then one day he had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life. And God put a passion in him. To, to evangelize the whole Mediterranean world. And so the next 15 to 20 years, Paul went all around the Mediterranean Sea, planting churches and, and going and, and reaching towns and villages. And he spent 15 or 20 years of his life doing that. And, of course, he wrote a majority of our New Testament. And I was thinking 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23 through 28, it says this. It says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in dangers from bandits, in dangers from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. And in danger from false brothers, I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I fa face the daily pressure 
of my concern for all the churches. And, and so we see someone here, we see the Apostle Paul, um, he, he represents a person who basically crashed through every type of quitting point. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've never spent a night and a day in the sea. I've never, had, I've never had somebody give me 39 lashes. I've never been stoned. I've never been put in prison uh, for not doing, you know, well, I've never been in prison, but I also haven't, I also haven't been in prison for something that wasn't legally wrong. You, you know, and so think about all these things, the Apostle Paul, but what changes vision. God had given him a vision to do something spectacular, to do something that was life-changing, to do something that would change the face of, of the culture there, to spread Christianity, to, to start churches all over the Mediterranean world. And, and uh, the passion to do what God had put in his heart was greater than the opposition against him. And so you have to think about that. If, I think one of the things that, that drives us past quitting points is through barriers, is our passion to do what God has put on our heart to do has to be greater than the obstacles that we face. I was, I was thinking this week about the great, the great man of God, uh, William Carey, who was a missionary to India, and he also he has the title of the father of modern missions. Um, way back in the late 1700s, William Carey was a Baptist minister in England, and God put a burning passion in his heart for missionary work, to reach the lost churches for Christ. And at that time, the 1700s, there, there was really uh, no effort or concern about the unreached people groups in the world. And so Carey, he petitioned his denomination, the Baptist denomination, to pursue missions. Uh, he, he went to their national conference and he stood up and told them about how God had placed the lost people of the world, the lost people groups, the unreached people groups of the world, God had put them on his heart. And he was told to sit down. They told him to sit down. If God really cares about the heathens in the world, he certainly doesn't need our help to reach them. And, and so, you know, that was a barrier. And he, did, he just decided, well, God has called me to do this. Um, so he started... Uh, he, he started, in 1792, he started uh, studying linguistics, and he organized the whole missionary society. And, and at the inaugural meeting, he preached a sermon, expect th great things from God, attempt great things for God. How many know that if you don't expect great things for God, you'll never attempt them? You have to expect it. Your faith has to be there before, before you will attempt it. Well, in 1793... He moved to India with his, with his family and a doctor, and he faced terrible conditions. His supporters abandoned him. His family had health problems. As a matter of fact, several of his children died. But he stuck, he stuck it out for the long haul, and he worked from 1793 to 1800 before he baptized his first convert. And he had a motto that he wrote on his wall, and his motto was this, I can plod. I can plod. And he said, I can persevere to any definite pursuit. And plod he did for 41 years in India. After 41 years, he, he, won, he had won 700 people to the Lord in India, and he had translated the entire Bible into, into the six ma major Indian languages. 
and he started a Bible college that is still operate, operating today. But his greatest legacy is, is to the worldwide missionary movement of the 19th century, Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, and all the next generation of missionaries. They took their cue from him. They saw the impact that he had done. They saw his love for the lost people of India, and they, they took God's word all over, all over the world. And, of course, today, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes people talk neg- negatively about the American culture, and sometimes I do too. I think sometimes uh, our, our American culture has created an environment that, that's not good for Christianity. It's put us to sleep. It's made us lazy. It's made us critical. The one thing that the American church has done and done with 100% excellence is, is reaching the lost nations of the world. No country in the world gives as much money to missions as the United States. And I mean hundreds of millions of dollars every year flow from America to, to Africa, to India, to Nepal, to the Ukraine, uh, and, and to the to the lost regions of the world. And in all of this, the whole missionary movement was birthed out, out, of, out of the original, the original, the original missionary, William Carey. And so this morning, I just want to give a couple simple steps. You know, we've talked in depth about vision and planning and discipline. And today, the question is, if in the past I set a goal and I quit, if in the past I set a goal and I didn't, I didn't fulfill it. If in the past I knew what I wanted to do, I had a plan to do it, but I just let life get in the way, uh, what can I do? And I just want to try to give you some practical tips on how to crash through the quitting points of life. How to crash through, how to push through the quitting points of life. And the first thing is, I think it's very important, is that we, we have to live by faith instead of our feelings. We have to live by faith instead of our feelings. You know, there are several things about our feelings, our emotions that you need to understand. The first thing is this, is that your feelings are not an accurate portrayal of your current situation. See, all the time we we do things that we shouldn't. We react because our emotions get get touched or they get hurt or they, they really get in the way. But think about this. You know, when, when you're emotional, when you think about something, you get emotional about it, usually it's not as bad as your emotions are telling you. Pastor, you don't know my situation. Well, no, I don't, but I'm just saying usually, usually when you're, you get emotional, if you can step back and leave the emotions out of it, sleep the night through, the next day it doesn't look quite as bad. And uh, so, I mean, think about it. Like sometimes I see something and I'm like, man, that's bad. And then I talk to Tracy about it and she doesn't think it's bad. I'm like, it's bad, believe me. I don't know what's wrong with you. It's bad. Like it's terrible, you know? It's life-threatening. She's like, no, it's not all that, okay? But think about this. We get emotionally connected to something and it makes the situation almost, I mean, I talk to some people and they're so emotional about this that they've made it bigger than God. Well, no, hold on now. We have Jesus Christ living in us, right? We have the Holy Spirit with us, and he's bigger than everything, right? So I think what happens is sometimes our emotions react by emotions instead of faith. And our emotions fluctuate up and down. Faith 
And God's word is, 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 is it's standard. It's there all the time. It never changes. And then the next thing is that our feelings fluctuate with how we feel physically. And if you're worn down, if you're tired, if you're not sleeping, if you're depressed, if you're exhausted, your emotions are much different than if your physical body, you're taking care of your physical body, you're, you're, at, you're at a good place, uh, you know, in life. So faith that comes from God, Bible faith, remains constant and, un, un, and unwavering. And, you know, during this series, I've had several people, I've had a lot of reaction to this series, and I've had several people come up to me and say, man, you know, Terry, God has put this thing on my heart. And it's touched me, but when I think about it, that thing is a big thing. And that dream, that goal, that vision is not going to be accomplished easily. As a matter of fact, it's going to take a miracle for that to happen. And that's okay because our God is in the miracle business, right? But, but what I'm saying is it's not going to happen in two weeks. It's not going to happen in two months probably. That, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to push through for time and really believe God, uh, you know, for, for that to happen. But it, it's your level of faith that will determine whether or not you see your dreams become a reality. And so, again, I think the first thing we have to do is that we have to build our faith up to where it's able to accomplish that task. Little faith does little things, and big faith does, does big things. And, you know, sometimes I think one of the scriptures that's not perhaps accurately talked about is, you know, all you need is a mustard seed of faith. That's not what that story says. It says if you have a mustard seed of faith. You can say this mountain, go over there and throw itself into the sea. But what, what it, see, the mustard seed start off as the smallest seed, but, but grew to be the largest garden plant. And so I think what it's saying there is, if you have a mustard seed of faith, you can grow that faith until you're able to do that certain thing. I mean, in, in my life, there were times when I didn't have faith to do certain things. Then after I saw God do that, then, okay, I have faith for that. Now I need to raise my faith up here. And so, I mean, just think about it. Sometimes we never think about the fact that I have to, I have to grow my faith or I have to believe that God can actually do that thing. Even if it's impossible, even if it's in the distance, I have to get my faith to where it, it believes in that. And so it's your level of faith that will determine whether or not you will see these dreams become a reality. And so just some questions here. Will you live by faith or your feelings? Will you quit or will you refuse to be denied? Well, are you seeing things through your natural eyes or are you seeing things through your spiritual eyes, through how God sees things? Of course, Philippians 4.13, it says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, again, that doesn't say I can do everything. It says I can do everything with, through God's, through God's help. I can do everything that he has planned for my life, that he has planned uh, for my family. Romans 8, 31 through 32, it says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I, I was thinking, you know, this past week and just trying to, think about some areas of my life that, you know, that I exerted faith and did well in some areas of my life that perhaps I, if I had it to do over again, I would do better in. 
And, you know, the church in, in June of 2019, this church had its 20-year anniversary. And probably none of you knew that because I didn't say anything. Um, but 20 years ago, and, and I was thinking about that because a lot of times people come to church now and they say, oh, we have a campus and we have buildings and we have stuff going on, all this kind of stuff. But only a few of you were there in the beginning. And in the beginning, I had doubts whether we were even going to make it. I mean, we had attendance problems. When I say attendance problems, no one was coming. You know, we had financial barriers. We've had staff problems. We've had all kind of things that we had to go through. And um, so, you know, I was thinking, man, are we even going to make it? And then I thought, then I started thinking, am I going to make it? You know, am I going to make it? I want you to think about this because we're talking about crashing through the, the, the quitting points. And, um, you know, today, 20 years later, we have a tremendous amount of fruit that has taken place through family life. I mean, locally and around the world, more than 50,000 people have given their lives to Jesus because family life was here, because people did things. But I, I want to say this, up until, up until about 10 years ago, that, that was non-existent. We didn't have churches in India and Nepal. We didn't, I mean, we were trying, we were doing things. I mean, we had, honestly, we had many years where we didn't, we didn't even grow. We had years that, but when, when in December, we had less people than we did in January. And my, my whole point of that is, and, and this is something that I've used to made, maybe it help for you. You know, when I, I would go in the auditorium and pray every Sunday, and I would close my eyes, and I would see the room being full. I would see the room being full. Then service would happen, and we'd have 10 people. <laughs> service would happen, we'd have 15 people. And, and so I, I think a, a really big part of faith is we can't go by just what we see through these eyes. We have to tap into the Holy Spirit. We have to tap into the God and see God. God will let you see spiritually with your eyes closed what he's going to do by faith if we just continue. We have to continue. God can't bless a quitter. If you quit, how's he going to do? I mean, if you throw up the white flag. So we have to, we have to uh, you know, pushing forward. And the second thing is this. So you have to live by faith instead of your feelings, instead of your emotions. And, and I think the next thing is you have to live consistently. And I think the, the hardest thing for humans, for myself, for the hardest thing for us is to live consistently. To do the same thing every day, to be consistent. I mean, think about it. I mean, this, this week, one day this week, I woke up at 5 a.m. and I went running around my block. So I set my alarm the next day and I tried to get out of bed. I was like, man, I hurt so bad. I hurt so bad. Tomorrow will be another day. You know, I will live to fight another day, right? Consistency. And isn't that what we do? I mean, th think about it in our spiritual lives. What, what I notice normally happens is people, if they're in a bad condition, they'll start coming to church, and God starts blessing them. And when they get to a certain level of com comfort, all of a sudden they start slacking off. We have, to, we have to be consistent. God blesses consistency. So if you want to crash through the quitting points, you have to learn how to be consistent. You have to get up every day, fight the good fight. Uh, you, you know, you have to... 
you have to go to war sometimes to get, to get a, a victory. And, you know, human nature wants a breakthrough with sporadic effort. Well, I tried on Thursday. I mean, think about this. Isn't, it, isn't that true? Consistency gives you the breakthrough. But sometimes we put out a, have any of you ever put out a half-hearted effort and you wanted God to bless it? I think we're all guilty, right? You know, we, we give God kind of the leftovers of our time or whatever, and God just do, I mean, you multiply the fish and loaves, you can multiply that too. And, and he can, but he, he, usually, he usually doesn't. And think, think about this. You know, the, I get a kick out of the advertisements. Um, I'm no longer allowed to order anything from commercials because that's my weak point. Tracy took all my cards away. But, but think of, how do commercials advertise in January? You know, buy this product, and in three days you'll lose 12 pounds. I mean, what are you losing? I, I mean, think, think, and it sells like crazy because no one wants to lose 12 pounds over a month and a half. They want to lose it in three days. And the next three days, lose 12 more, you know, lose 100 pounds in whatever that is, 12 days. I don't know, whatever it is. Galatians 6, 9, it says this, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. This verse kept me in ministry. This verse, I would go to this verse whenever I was discouraged, whenever I felt bad about myself, whenever I felt like, man, I'm doing everything I can, it's not good enough. I would go to this, let us not become weary in doing good. Sometimes we become weary doing the right things. Because we don't see the fruit as quickly as we want to. And, and Galatians says, man, don't be weary in doing good. Just keep doing good and doing good and doing what you're supposed to and keep exerting your faith. Because at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if, if we do not give up. Again, if we give up, we release uh, the blessing of receiving, of, of receiving the blessings. You know what I learned one day? Consistency, when we're consistent, it inspires people. Many of you don't know this, but before we had any buildings on this land, way over here on the corner of, of Old Richmond and McCaskill, we had a little brown portable building, and that was my office. I mean, that was my office for, I don't know, three years. It didn't have a restroom. I mean, it didn't have any, you know, so didn't 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 have anything. Just a building that had air conditioner, heat, and lights. And so... Uh, you know, I was go, I'd go there every day, go there every day. When we built our first building, the small building over here, you know, I don't know, five or six years later, whatever it was, and um, one, we had our grand opening, and a couple walked in. I'd never seen them before, a young couple, and they came and they sat on the third row over there, and afterwards they stayed around, and I, I could tell they wanted to talk to me, and they said, Pastor Terry, we just want to let you know that you inspired us. We started a new business uh, several, three years ago, and it hasn't been going well, and it hasn't been going well. And every day my wife and I would drive past your little portable building to take our kids to school. And they would say, man, Pastor Terry's car is there. His car is there. And so here I am thinking I'm defeated. I can't, we can't get this done and all this, and you're inspiring somebody. And uh, so they said, we just want to let you know that you inspired us, and now our business is doing well. And we think we would have quit, but your car was there every day. 
Now, I didn't inspire them enough for them to stay at Family Life, but they came one Sunday to tell me that, right? So you have to live by faith instead of feelings. You have to live consistently instead of sporadically. And and I believe you have to have a long-term focus instead of a short-term focus. I think the main reason we get ourselves into situations that are bad in the first place is because we naturally think about today instead of tomorrow. I mean, it's hard to say, you know, this is where I want to be in 10 years. So these are the steps I have to take the next nine years to get there. Most of us wake up and we think about today. What do I need to do today? And we don't think about March or April or May. And, and, and so I think, you know, to, when you have a vision of where you want God to take you, um, you, you, you have to establish a long-term mentality. What do I need to do to get there? I'm living in today, but I've got to think about the future because that is where God wants me to be. And it's the hardest thing in the world to do something today that's going to pay off in three years or five years. See, when you're doing things today, you're sowing seeds today. When you sow seeds, it takes time to grow. And sometimes it's hard when you're sowing seed and you're like, well, how come it's not coming up? How come it's not coming up? But then maybe it will in the seventh year, the eighth year, the ninth year. We got to keep being, you know, consistently. We have to think of the, in the long term instead of the short term. I think the whole reason we make resolutions or we make commitments to change, uh, it, to change our lives today, is because we want to reap benefit on the road but you have to crash the quitting points to get there. James 1.12 is a favorite verse of mine. It says, it says, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. So it, it's perseverance. Blessed are those who perseveres, who don't quit under trial when they have stood the test of time. God says, I'm gonna give them the crown of life. Number four, and the last thing this morning is, uh, I, I believe you need friends to encourage you during the journey. I think you need friends. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says, a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. And so the thought is, you don't need friends when everything is going well. You need them when things aren't going well. But you establish friends when it is going well, so you have them when it's not. And you know, I just, obviously as the church has grown, it's impossible for everyone to know everyone. Uh, and that, that's why we have small groups. And I believe right now we have 200 people signed up for our small groups this semester and say, well, man, why do we have all these small groups? Why are we having a marriage conference? Why do we do all this stuff? I want to create an excuse for us to get together, to meet people, to talk to people, to, to, to encourage people. But here's the thing. Here's the problem. We need friends. We don't just need any type of a friend. We need friends who share our values. We need, we need friends who are following Jesus. We need friends who are going in the same direction as we are so that when they see us dip down, when they see us hurting, they can help lift us up. You know, I know that friends, sometimes we have to confront each other and say things, but listen, 90% of friendship is encouraging others to do things that are good. Let me ask you a question. 
Are you, are you inclined to, to do something, to change something when you're beaten down or when you're encouraged and you can see the benefit of it? Encouragement always wins. Encouragement always wins. That's why in every relationship, relationship experts say, for every one critical thing, there has to be four positive things. The parents were like, how do you do that, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. You need the Holy Spirit. What can I say? So we're, we're talking today about how can we crash through quitting points? Because undoubtedly this year, everyone in this room will get to a place where we we just feel like quitting, and we feel like quitting. Quitting is always easier than pushing through. But the benefits come from crashing through quitting points. The benefits come when we say, I refuse to quit. I refuse to be defeated. I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to try until I get there. You have to live by faith instead of feelings. You have to live consistently instead of sporadically. You have to live with a long-term focus, and you need friends to encourage you during the journey. And I just want to close in prayer this morning. Would you stand with me, and could I have the prayer team come on up this morning? And, but just out there in the congregation, you know, maybe during these last four weeks, you say, man, Terry, God has given me a, a dream that is special. God has given me a vision to do something that's bigger than me. God has given me a vision to make improvements in my life, in my relationships, in my walk with him. And I know that I need his help to do it. I need him to lift me up. I need him to encourage me. I need him to guide me. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Would you just raise your hands just to God, not to me if you're there. God, we come before you. And Lord, I just believe this year that great things are coming in family life, God. You're doing great things through the people in our congregation. You're doing things on a personal level that they really believe that you want them to do, God. And you're helping us to do great things on, on the church level, on the corporate level. God, we just come before you and we ask you to give us the vision, to give us the faith, to give us the determination, the discipline, God. Give us the stamina just to keep pushing even when we feel like we can't push anymore. God, I just pray for your blessings on everyone here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're new to Family Life, we always like to have a time of prayer for anyone who, who may feel like they need prayer. And uh, so the worship team is just going to lead us in worship. If you need prayer with anything this morning, you just need personal encouragement or maybe you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord. One of these many women would love just to pray with you. So we're just going to open the altars for prayer Who anyone who needs. God bless you. Dark me
worship turn into revival. Lord, lead us back to you. Back to you. Back to you. Back to our first love. Back to our first love. God, we just thank you this morning. Lord, I just pray for every individual person here this morning. And Lord, again, I just pray that everybody would receive from you what they need. Holy Spirit, I pray you're touching every life here today, God. And, and I just pray for the breakthroughs that they need, God. I pray, God, that you're helping us. You're giving us the strength to turn things around in certain areas of our life. And God, I just declare that this year is going to be a great year for every person in this church, God, and for our church as a whole. God, I just pray your blessings over everyone here today. Lord, we call upon your covenant. We're, we're in a relationship with a covenant, God, and that covenant says that we win. That covenant says that we'll be blessed. So we pray that for everyone here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, family life. So come, move, let your sins roll on like a river.